The Epistle to Diognetus by an unknown author. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Since I perceive, most excellent Diognetus, that you are exceedingly zealous to learn the religion of the Christians, and are asking very clear and careful questions concerning them, both who is the God in whom they believe, and how they worship him, so that all disregard the world and despise death, and do not reckon as gods those who are considered to be so by the Greeks, nor keep the superstition of the Jews, and what is the love which they have for one another, and why this new race or practice has come to life at this time and not formerly. I indeed welcome this zeal in you, and I ask from God, who bestows on us the power both of speaking and of hearing, that it may be granted to me so to speak, that you may benefit so much as possible by your hearing, and to you to hear that I may not be made sorry for my speech. Come then, Clear yourself of all the prejudice which occupies your mind, and throw aside the custom which deceives you, and become, as it were, a new man from the beginning, as one, as you yourself also admitted, who is about to listen to a new story. Look, not only with your eyes, but also with your intelligence, what substance or form they chance to have, whom you call gods and regard as such. Is not one a stone? like that on which we walk, another bronze no better than the vessels which have been forged for our use, another wood already rotten, another silver needing a man to guard it against theft, another iron eaten by rust, another earthenware not a whit more comely than that which is supplied for the most ordinary service. Are not all these of perishable material? Were they not forged by iron and fire? Did not the woodcarver make one the brass founder another, the silversmith another, the potter another. Before they were moulded by their arts into the shapes which they have, was it not possible, and does it not still remain possible, for each of them to have been given a different shape? Might not vessels made out of the same material, if they met with the same artifices, be still made similar to such as they? Again, would it not be possible for these which are now worshipped by you to be made by men into vessels like any other? Are they not all dumb? Are they not blind? Are they not without souls? Are they not without feeling? Are they not without movement? Are they not all rotting? Are they not all decaying? Do you call these things gods? Are these what you serve? Are these what you worship and in the end become like them? Is this the reason why you hate the Christians? that they do not think that these are gods? For is it not you, who, though you think and believe that you are praising the gods, are much more despising them? Are you not much more rather mocking and insulting them when you worship those of stone and earthenware without guarding them, but lock up at night, and in the daytime place guards over those of silver and gold, that they be not stolen away? And if they have powers of perception... By the honours which you think to pay them, you are rather punishing them, and, if they are without perception, you are refuting them by worshipping them with blood and burnt fat. Let one of you suffer these things. Let him endure that it should be done to him. Why, there is not a single man who would willingly endure this punishment, for he has perception and reason. But the stone endures, for it has no perception. 
Do you not then refute its perception? I could say much more as to the refusal of Christians to serve such gods, but if anyone find these arguments insufficient, I think it useless to say more. In the next place, I think that you are especially anxious to hear why the Christians do not worship in the same way as the Jews. The Jews, indeed, by abstaining from the religion already discussed, may rightly claim that they worship the one God of the universe, and regard him as master. But in offering service to him in like manner to those already dealt with, they are quite wrong. For just as the Greeks give a proof of foolishness by making offerings to senseless and deaf images, so the Jews ought rather to consider that they are showing foolishness, not reverence, by regarding God as in need of these things. For he who made heaven and earth and all that is in them, and bestows on all of us that which we need, would not himself have need of any of these things, which he himself supplies to those who think that they are giving them. For after all, those who think that they are consecrating sacrifices to him by blood and burnt fat and whole burnt offerings, and that they are reverencing him by these honours, seem to me to be in no way better than those who show the same respect for deaf images. For it seems that the one offer to those who cannot partake of the honour, the others to him who is in need of nothing. Moreover, I do not suppose that you need to learn from me that, after all, their scruples about food and superstition about the Sabbath, and their pride in circumcision and the sham of their fasting and feast of the new moon, are ridiculous and unworthy of any argument. For how can it be anything but unlawful to receive some of the things created by God for the use of man, as if well created, and to reject others as if useless and superfluous? And what can it be but impious, falsely to accuse God of forbidding that a good deed should be done on the Sabbath day? And what does it deserve but ridicule to be proud of the mutilation of the flesh, as a proof of election, as if they were for this reason especially beloved by God? And their attention to the stars and moon, for the observance of months and days, and for their arbitrary distinctions between the changing seasons ordained by God, making some into feasts and others into occasions of mourning. Who would regard this as a proof of piety and not much more of foolishness? So then I think that you have learnt sufficiently that the Christians do rightly in abstaining from the general silliness and deceit and fussiness and pride of the Jews. But do not suppose that you can learn from man the mystery of the Christian's own religion. For the distinction between Christians and other men is neither in country, nor language, nor customs. For they do not dwell in cities in some place of their own, nor do they use any strange variety of dialect, nor practice an extraordinary kind of life. This teaching of theirs has not been discovered by the intellect or thought of busy men, nor are they the advocates of any human doctrine as some men are. Yet while living in Greek and barbarian cities, according as each obtained his lot and following the local customs, both in clothing and food and in the rest of life, they show forth the wonderful and confessedly strange character of the constitution of their own citizenship. They dwell in their own fatherlands, but as if sojourners in them. They share all things as citizens, and suffer all things as strangers. Every foreign country is their fatherland, and every fatherland is a foreign country. They marry as all men. They bear children, but they do not expose their offspring. They offer free hospitality, but guard their purity. Their lot is cast in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. 
They pass their time upon the earth, but they have their citizenship in heaven. They obey the appointed laws, and they surpass the laws in their own lives. They love all men, and are persecuted by all men. They are unknown, and they are condemned. They are put to death, and they gain life. They are poor, and make many rich. They lack all things, and have all things in abundance. They are dishonored, and are glorified in their dishonor. They are spoken evil of, and are justified. They are abused, and give blessing. They are insulted, and render honor. When they do good, they are buffeted as evildoers. When they are buffeted, they rejoice as men who receive life. They are warred upon by the Jews as foreigners, and are persecuted by the Greeks, and those who hate them cannot state the cause of their enmity. To put it shortly, what the soul is in the body, that the Christians are in the world. The soul is spread through all members of the body, and Christians throughout the cities of the world. The soul dwells in the body, but is not of the body, and Christians dwell in the world, but are not of the world. The soul is invisible, and is guarded in a visible body, and Christians are recognized when they are in the world, but their religion remains invisible. The flesh hates the soul and wages war upon it, though it has suffered no evil, because it is prevented from gratifying its pleasures, and the world hates the Christians, though it has suffered no evil, because they are opposed to its pleasures. The soul loves the flesh which hates it, and the limbs, and Christians love those who hate them. The soul has been shut up in the body, but itself sustains the body, and Christians are confined in the world as in a prison, but themselves sustain the world. The soul dwells immortal in a mortal tabernacle, and Christians sojourn among corruptible things, waiting for the incorruptibility which is in heaven. The soul, when evil treated in food and drink, becomes better, and Christians, when buffeted day by day, increase more. God has appointed them to so great a post, and it is not right for them to decline it. For it is not, as I said, an earthly discovery which was given to them, nor do they take such pains to guard some mortal invention, nor have they been entrusted with the dispensations of human mysteries. But in truth, the Almighty and all-creating and invisible God, Himself founded among men the truth from heaven, and the holy and incomprehensible word, and established it in their hearts, not as one might suppose, by sending some minister to men, or an angel, or ruler, or one of those who direct earthly things, or one of those who are entrusted with the dispensations in heaven, but the very artificer and creator of the universe himself, by whom he made the heavens, by whom he enclosed the sea in its own bounds, whose mysteries all the elements guard faithfully, from whom the sun received the measure of the courses of the day, to whose command the moon is obedient to give light by night, whom the stars obey following the course of the moon, by whom all things were ordered and ordained and placed in subjection, the heavens and the things in the heavens, the earth and the things in the earth, the sea and the things in the sea, fire, air, abyss, the things in the heights, the things in the depths, the things between them, him he sent to them. Yes, but did he send him, as a man might suppose, in sovereignty and fear and terror? Not so, but in gentleness and meekness. As a king sending a son, he sent him as king, he sent him as God, he sent him as man to men. He was saving and persuading when he sent him, not compelling, for compulsion is not an attribute of God. 
when he sent him he was calling not pursuing when he sent him he was loving not judging for he will send him as judge and who shall endure his coming footnote there is here a lacuna in the manuscript probably the next sentence may be completed by prefixing do you not see that before they are thrown End footnote. they are thrown to wild beasts that they may deny the lord and are not overcome do you not see that the more of them are punished the more do others multiply these things do not seem to be the works of man these things are a miracle of god these things are the proofs of his coming for before he came what man had any knowledge at all of what god is or do you accept the vain and foolish statements of those pretentious philosophers of whom some said that god is fire they give the name of god to that to which they shall go and some water and some one of the other elements which were created by god and yet if any of these arguments is acceptable it would be possible for each one of the other created things to be declared god now these things are the miracle-mongering and deceit of the magicians but of men there is none who has either seen him or known him but he himself manifested himself now he manifested himself through faith by which alone it is given to see god for god the master and creator of the universe who made all things and arranged them in order was not only kind to man but also long-suffering nay he was ever so and is and will be kindly and good and free from wrath and true and he alone is good and having formed a great and unspeakable design he communicated it to his child alone and so long as he kept it in a mystery and guarded his wise counsel he seemed to neglect us and to be careless but when he revealed it through his beloved child and manifested the things prepared from the beginning he gave us all things at once both to share in his benefits and to see and understand and which of us would ever have expected these things having thus planned everything by himself with his child he suffered us up to the former time to be borne along by unruly impulses as we willed carried away by pleasures and lusts not at all because he delighted in our sins but in forbearance not in approval of the time of iniquity which was then but fashioning the time of righteousness which is now that we who at that time were proved by our own deeds to be unworthy of life may now be granted it by the goodness of god and that when we had made it plain that it was impossible for us by ourselves to enter into the kingdom of god we might be made able by the power of god but when our iniquity was fulfilled and it had become fully manifest that its reward of punishment and death waited for it and the time came which god had appointed to manifest henceforth his kindliness and power oh the excellence of the kindness and the love of god he did not hate us nor reject us nor remember us for evil but was long-suffering endured us himself in pity took our sin himself gave his own son as ransom for us the holy for the wicked the innocent for the guilty the just for the unjust the incorruptible for the corruptible the immortal for the mortal for what else could cover our sins but his righteousness in whom was it possible for us in our wickedness and impiety to be made just except in the son of god alone oh the sweet exchange oh the inscrutable creation oh the unexpected benefits that the wickedness of many should be concealed in the one righteous 
and the righteousness of the one should make righteous many wicked having convinced us then of the inability of our nature to attain life in time past and now having shown the saviour who is able to save even where it was impossible it was his will for both reasons that we should believe on his goodness and regard him as nurse father teacher counsellor physician mind light honour glory strength life and to have no care for clothing and food if you also desire this faith and receive first complete knowledge of the father footnote here again there is apparently a lacuna in the text End footnote for god who loved mankind for whose sake he made the world to whom he subjected all things which are in the earth to whom he gave reason to whom he gave mind on whom alone he enjoined that they should look upward to him whom he made in his own image to whom he sent his only begotten son to whom he promised the kingdom in heaven and he will give it to them who loved him and when you have this full knowledge with that joy do you think that you will be filled or how greatly will you love him who thus first loved you but by your love you will imitate the example of his goodness and do not wonder that it is possible for man to be the imitator of god it is possible when he will for happiness consists not in domination over neighbours nor in wishing to have more than the weak nor in wealth and power to compel those who are poorer nor can any one be an imitator of god in doing these things but these things are outside his majesty but whoever takes up the burden of his neighbour and wishes to help another who is worse off in that in which he is the stronger and by ministering to those in need the things which he has received and holds from god becomes a god to those who receive them this man is an imitator of god then though your lot be placed on earth you will see that god lives in heaven then you will begin to speak of the mysteries of god then you will both love and admire those who are being punished because they will not deny god then you will condemn the deceit and error of the world when you know what is the true life of heaven when you despise the apparent death of this world when you fear the death which is real which is kept for those that shall be condemned to the everlasting fire which shall punish up to the end those that were delivered to it then you will marvel at those who endure for the sake of righteousness the fire which is for a season and you will count them blessed when you know that other fire my speech is not strange nor my inquiry unreasonable but as a disciple of apostles i am becoming a teacher of the heathen i administer worthily that which has been handed down to those who are becoming disciples of the truth for who that has been properly taught and has become a lover of the word does not seek to learn plainly the things which have been clearly shown by the word to disciples to whom the word appeared and revealed them speaking boldly not being perceived by the unbelieving but relating them to disciples who were held by him to be faithful and gained knowledge of the mysteries of the father and for his sake he sent the word to appear to the world who was dishonoured by the chosen people was preached by apostles was believed by the heathen he was from the beginning and appeared new and was proved to be old and is ever young as he is born in the hearts of the saints he is the eternal one who to-day is accounted a son through whom the church is enriched and grace is unfolded and multiplied among the saints 
who confers understanding, manifests mysteries, announces seasons, rejoices in the faithful, is given to them that seek, that is, to those by whom the pledges of faith are not broken, nor the decrees of the fathers transgressed. Then is the fear of the law sung, and the grace of the prophets known, and the faith of the gospels is established, and the tradition of apostles is guarded, and the grace of the church exalts. And if you do not grieve this grace, you will understand what the word says through the agents of his choice when he will. For in all things which we were moved by the will of him who commands us to speak with pain, we become sharers with you through love of the things revealed to us. If you consider and listen with zeal to these truths, you will know what things God bestows on those that love him rightly, who are become a paradise of delight raising up in themselves a fertile tree with all manner of fruits, and are adorned with diverse fruits. For in this garden has been planted the tree of knowledge and the tree of life, but the tree of knowledge does not kill, but disobedience kills. For that which was written is quite plain, that God in the beginning planted a tree of knowledge and a tree of life in the midst of paradise, and showed that life is through knowledge, but those who did not use it in purity were in the beginning deprived of it by the deceit of the serpent. For neither is there life without knowledge, nor sound knowledge without true life, wherefore both are planted together. And when the apostles saw the force of this, he blamed the knowledge which is exercised apart from the truth of the injunction which leads to life, and said, Knowledge puffeth up, but love edifieth. For he who thinks that he knows anything without knowledge, which is true and testified to by life, does not know, but is deceived by the serpent, not loving life. But he who has full knowledge with fear and seeks after life, plants in hope, looking for fruit. Let your heart be knowledge, and your life the true and comprehended word. And if you bear the tree of this and pluck its fruit, you will ever enjoy that which is desired by God, which the serpent does not touch, and deceit does not infect, and Eve is not corrupted, but a virgin is trusted, and salvation is set forth, and apostles are given understanding, and the Passover of the Lord advances, and the seasons are brought together and are harmonized with the world, and the word teaches the saints and rejoices, and through it the Father is glorified, to whom be glory for ever. Amen. End of the Epistle to Diognetus by an unknown author.